0: Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Well, it's good to be with you here in Pasadena this morning as we kick off our new series. This is the halls that I walked when I got my call to ministry, so it's funny how we ended up here with the construction and now the tropical storm, but today I want to remind us, and it's a strong reminder, how uncertain and fragile life can be and how we spend our time here on earth really matters. Since the day of Pentecost God has commissioned his disciples to be the church and to draw in new believers. 2 Corinthians 5:19 through 20 says, God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So, we are Christ's official messengers. It is as if God was making his appeal through us. Here is what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Let's reflect and measure how we've been doing on this call of action by the Lord, both individually and collectively. This is the new series that we're going to travel through the Gospels and take note of how to be kingdom neighbors, hosts, comforters, peacemakers, givers, and servants in the and servants in this upside down kingdom that Jesus has taught us. These are the roles and the responsibilities of those who work in God's kingdom here on earth. And we're gonna jump right in today to be how to be a good neighbor. How do you see people that fall on difficult times or are stuck in a ditch that life brings their way? Do you gloss over someone who's fallen on hard times and just go on your day? Or do you see their trouble, their pain, and their difficult time and have a full-body response? And the kind of full-body response I'm talking about this morning um, reminds me of the movie a Princess, oh, Princess Bride from the 80s. Wesley, who is disguised as the Dread Pirate Roberts and Princess Buttercup, were standing on the cliff on the edge of a mountain, arguing. And Princess Buttercup was passionately arguing over her grief for Wesley, but she didn't realize that Wesley was standing right in front of her. So before you know it, she angrily pushes him over the side of the mountain, and The next thing you know, the royalty comes galloping, looking for the Dread Pirate Roberts. And Wesley shouts back at Princess Buttercup, as you wish. And this was the clue to Princess Buttercup. And she immediately has this reaction. She flings herself off of the side of the mountain and tumbles down after him inside of the ditch. Is this the type of reaction that we have when we know someone's fallen into a ditch. Our story this morning is a very familiar story for most of you in this room. It's the Good Samaritan, and it's in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10. And it's important to know what's going on in Jesus's life before we read it. He's already demonstrated to a multitude of people, many times, his relationship to the Father, that he is God's son, and he's already also demonstrated his power of divine, natural, super strength. Beginning in chapter 9 of Luke, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and many biblical scholars consider Jesus' journey in these last days to mirror the Israelites' exodus. This journey has two notable themes. The first is the growing hostility towards Jesus as he's teaching and being himself and even his just physical presence is growing this hostility. And the second is Jesus' clear instruction to all of his followers, and that includes us. One last thing about this story takes place on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Notoriously a dangerous road, kind of... um, at peaks too, just like the story I described uh, from the movie, The Princess Bride. It has narrow, rocky roads with sharp twists and turns. It goes up and down about 3,600 feet. On top of all these travel hazards, some people took advantage. So gangs formed and they would hide and rob people. And so if you'd like to follow along with me this morning, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 10, 23 through 37. Then Jesus turned to his disciples. He said to them in private, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but they didn't. They wanted to hear what you hear, but they didn't. One day, an authority on the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to receive eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you understand it, he answered. "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. "'Love him with all your strength and with all your mind, "'and love your neighbor as you love yourself. "'You have answered correctly,' Jesus replied. "'Do that and you will live.' "'But the man wanted to make himself look good. "'So he asked Jesus, "'And who is my neighbor?' "'Jesus replied, "'A man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho.'" Robbers attacked him. They stripped him of his clothes and they beat him. Then they went away, leaving him almost dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A Levite also came by. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side too. But a Samaritan came by to the place where the man was. When he saw the man, he felt sorry for him. He went to him poured olive oil and wine on his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins. He gave them to the owner of the inn. Take care of him, he said. When I return, I will pay you back for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by robbers? The authority on the law replied, the one who felt sorry for him, Jesus told him, go and do as he did. So I'm sure many of you have been paying attention, but our world needs a good neighbor more than ever today. Just some statistics to clarify the point. In the past year, the United States has seen the consumer price index that reached 9%. So this is the, the number that, that's the estimate increase in prices that you and I pay for our goods and services. According to the Federal Reserve, household necessities haven't been this expensive since 1981. In the past year, violent crime rates are still high, but lower than 2020. Motor vehicle theft has been up since 2020 and still rising, according to the FBI. I share this fact because it highlights the inflation and the scarcity that's occurring for people around us. In this past year, the CDC has noted that there has been a 5% increase in adults ages 18 through 44 being treated for mental health. The World Food Program is a globally resourced food distribution organization. It estimates that from the 79 countries that they work with, more than 345 million people face food insecurity in 2023. That's more than double the number in 2020. California food banks have seen an increase in 74% of this demand since before the pandemic. These things are heavy. People around us are suffering in many ways. These are just a few, increased costs in goods and services, mental health, and food scarcity. Our world needs a good neighbor more than ever. So let's unpack these characters a little bit as the rain begins to pour a little harder on us. Jesus told the story about a priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. The priest could only see the rules that guided his own life from the Old Testament. In Numbers 19, 11, there's a Leviticus law that states that the priest, if a priest touched a dead man, he couldn't be in the temple to serve for at least seven days because he was considered unclean. I've been the priest before. I've been so focused on my own tasks, my own appointments, my own responsibilities. Down the road, the things right in front of me, that I've made those the rules of my life. I've glossed over the stranger in need of a kind gesture. I've been the priest before. The Levite knew that the gangs would often stage or set up these these issues of traveling people and then... Um, then turn, turn them into one of those travelers that were beaten up alongside the road and robbed. So he got a little closer, but he still wasn't sure. Is this a setup or is this real? All he could see was his own safety was at risk. I've been like the Levite before, too, when I've had my own kids with me thinking, oh boy, this isn't safe. What would Dan think if I was about to do this with the kids in the car? It's not a good idea if I stop and help. It's just not safe. But then I think to myself, Candace, could it be so bad for your children to see you be vulnerable and help someone today? And if the Good Samaritan story was to happen today and I was writing it, I would like to add a new character that passes by. This character I would call the sus or the suspect. They would be suspicious of the traveler to blame for even being stupid enough to travel on this dangerous road by themselves. And if, if the sus helped the man in the lying in the ditch, this would enable his own stupidity. This ditch was his problem, and the sus couldn't see past his own judgment. And finally, we get to the Samaritan. The Samaritans are often described in the Bible as being the villains, the hooligans, the bad egg, the wretch, the rule breaker, the sinner. Jews and Samaritans had a big conflict. We, we know this, right? Yet this is who Jesus chooses to be the champion kingdom neighbor. This is the hero that breaks down the cultural walls, the barriers. He saw this man in the ditch in his pain and in his need, and he was ready to help, and he responded. The Jews often called Jesus a Samaritan, too as the hostility was increasing in John 8, 46 through 50. Can any of you prove I'm guilty of sinning? I'm not telling the truth. Then why don't you believe me? Am I not telling the truth? Then why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. The Jews answered Jesus. Aren't we right when we say you are a Samaritan? Aren't you controlled by a demon? I am not controlled by a demon, said Jesus. I honor my father. You do not honor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who brings me glory. He is the judge. What I'm about to tell you is true. Whoever obeys my word will never die. The irony of this story right here is that the Samaritan points us right to the life of Jesus. His teaching, his death, his resurrection, the reconciliation of all that God has created... Luke refers to this earlier in chapter 4 where Jesus reads the scrolls to proclaim his mission, to make it clear. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners and the recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, Luke 4, 18 through 19. And at the beginning of the story, I read a little extra bonus text. And Jesus very intimately reminds his disciples... All of us, too. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but they didn't. They wanted to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Jesus is talking about the ability of his disciples to really see and hear the opportunity for healing and reconciliation. They were blessed with the kingdom inheritance. In the same way, we are blessed... If we can see and hear the opportunity for sharing God's love that lives in us and put it into action. So I ask you today, what's your perception? Which character do you connect with the best? The priest, the Levite, the Sus, the Jews antagonizing Jesus or the Samaritan? Are we allowing the world to get the better of us? I wonder how many people I've looked at all my life and never seen. That's a quote from John Steinbeck. Can we even see someone in the ditch anymore? If this is the case, that it's hard to even see the signs of pain and trouble, then we have to work hard at this. We must train our eyes and ears better to be more in tune with Jesus' opportunity for people for their lives, so that, again, the love that we feel from God can spill over into our neighbor's life. Some ways that we can begin to look and see are these. Is there something unequal about their life circumstance, their education, their ability, their finances, their housing, their connections, their resources? Another way we can look to see is, has someone been abandoned or isolated? Most of us have lots of people we can fall back on. We have many safety nets, personal relationships, contacts that we can rely on, but some people don't. Is there something that's taken someone out of the course of the path of their life? Like addiction, medical diagnosis, grief, suffering from mental health, abuse, violence, a violation of, of human rights? How do we see others in their ditch? The answer, how to be a kingdom neighbor, is in the Samaritan's rescue response. First, we have to see and hear. I've been doing a lot of talking about that already. The Samaritan, he saw and he heard the man's pain and the need need in the ditch. We must train our eyes and ears to recognize the pain of these wounds. Second, the support that the Samaritan physically provided He stopped his plans, he stopped his travels on the road, he began making a healing place for his wounds, and physically lifted the man on his donkey and got him down to the inn. Third, there's a helpful environment he created. The Samaritan set up the traveler with the innkeeper at his own expense. This environment was just what he needed to heal his wounds from being in the ditch. The good news here is that we're not alone in this effort as the church and as individuals. There's many great nonprofits and our church has incredible partners that are working on a bigger scale in our community, like Saving Innocence, STARS, Elizabeth House, Door of Hope, Olive Crest, Tierra del Sol, Central City, the Immigration Resource Center. And if these are new for you, you have a homework assignment from me today. Please learn more about these organizations from our website or Pastor Scott would love to have coffee with you and you can ask some great questions to him. The details of how we support and the helpful environment that we provide matter to Jesus. This is why he mentioned them with a fair amount of detail. The oil, the wine, the badges, the donkey. The bandages, the donkey, the travel, the inn, the care, the open tab at the inn. All of that matters. God sees all of this as the gift of being a good neighbor. Dr. King put it this way. The ultimate measure of a human is not where they stand in moments of comfort and moments of convenience, but where they stand in moments of challenge and moments of controversy. The true neighbor will risk their position prestige, and even life or welfare for others. They will not be limited to the safety of places, but it will move through dangerous valleys and hazardous pathways to lift someone bruised and beaten to a higher and more notable life. We must do this as individuals within our families, our neighborhoods, our places of employment, our schools, our soccer fields, our gyms, and as a community that we call Montrose Church. I know we can be a kingdom neighbor, but it's gonna take focus and prayer and action. And so my challenge to you is over this next um, six weeks in this series, to intentionally pray with the people that you live with. We're gonna call this a prayer huddle challenge. So pick a consistent time that works for you, that works for your family, and if you live alone, pick someone today that you can text with. It doesn't have to be in person, but pick a consistent time to pray in very intentionally. Pray at bedtime and pray together genuinely about being a good kingdom neighbor. Pray this week for someone by name. Or pray that God will bring you some, someone into your life. Pray for your eyes to see and your ears to hear to be a good kingdom neighbor. For them and with them and with this new season of back to school so many of us have an abundance of new neighbors so be thinking about that keeping your eyes open for the spirit to move at your school and try your best to turn this into action and reflect on it and continue to pray and do this huddle consistently i'd like to go ahead and invite the worship band up as we close our service out, and I'd like to pray for you all. Let's pray. Powerful God, today we're saddened by the problems of the world that force people to have their backs against the wall. It's hard to fathom some of these ditches that people are in right now, but we lift them up to you today, Lord, the hurting, the pain, and the unseen. God, please protect them and bring a kingdom neighbor into their life along with these things they need to recover. Forgive us for not helping, as Jesus has set the perfect example here for us with the Good Samaritan. Use us today to see and hear those that need help to the best of our abilities. Thank you for our community partners, their leaders, their volunteers, the donors, and the recipients of the care. We pray for strength and health for these organizations. Lord, we pray for our church as we lean in to be kingdom neighbors together. Will you touch each and every person in this congregation of Montrose Church and those watching online too with your living power today. Keep everyone safe, Lord. You know everyone's pains, journeys, longings. Walk closely with them, revealing your love, your mission, your plan. We're so grateful that you care about our pain, our longings, our desires, and our hunger, and our neighbors too. And everyone who loves God says, Amen. Will you join me in continuing to close out our worship service today? Please stand. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.